1: In addition to being one of the great evangelists of the early Christian church and of our faith, the Apostle Paul was also a treasured and cherished mentor. And for those of us who have served under mentorship and have been mentors ourselves, these words from a single chapter in 25 verses in the New Testament from the book of Philemon, they will especially resonate. Listen to the word of God. You can find this passage on page 970. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints, and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you, on the basis of love, and I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother." especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you would consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother. Let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Father, sanctify us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen.
0: Yeah, settle in, get comfortable. I am preaching an entire book of the New Testament before we leave. (laughs) You'll be relieved to know it is only 25 verses. It is such a great story, but more than my hoping that you leave entertained, I'm interested to know if there's anybody in here who hears this story and is courageous enough to risk something because of it. Here's the tale. In the middle of the first century, in what is modern-day Turkey, there was an early Christ follower named Philemon. This is the first century. There's no Bible. There's no Wednesday night suppers. You just got a group over here talking about Jesus. A group over here scratching out their memories of what he said in a new form called the gospel. The Apostle Paul traveling, preaching, baptizing. Another group over here, Christians on fire about what the love of God in Christ has done to transform their life. People are telling and teaching and starting churches and setting the woods on fire. And Philemon is one of these new Christ followers living in Colossae. And he was a leader with a pretty good financial portfolio. Philemon had land and slaves and a house big enough to host the local church meetings in his town. Before we go any further, let me say a word about slaves. Because you might be asking how in the world can a good Christ follower have slaves? Well, as Dr. King famously said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And this is the first century and slavery is an accepted practice of the day. It doesn't make slavery any less reprehensible, but the long arc of the moral universe is still in its infancy at the time. It was a long time ago and still in this country, we hadn't gotten it right when my great-grandmother was born. But the arc of the moral universe leads to justice. But in this time, it just was. First century, it's not being debated in the newspapers. There are no anti-slavery candidates on the ballot. Slavery just was. Let me do one more aside before I get back to the story. There are people who think that the Christian devotion is one thing and not the other, that it's not both of these things. Christian devotion does involve hearts being changed, individual lives being liberated so that they are pious followers of Christ. But it also involves our being involved In changing the systems that keep other people liberated, too. It's both. All right, back to the story. Philemon's got all this property, he's got status. The local congregation meets in his place because he's got the most room. And we don't know how many slaves Philemon has, but one day, one of those slaves sees his opportunity, cuts out, Onesimus breaks the loose of his shackles. He presumably steals up a bunch of stuff before he leaves to take on his personal freedom. And somewhere in his time away as fugitive, he takes up with a Christian community. They are followers of Paul's Christian teaching who tell Onesimus that the only way to truly be free is to commit to a life of following Jesus. Some people are enslaved by literal chains, but all people are enslaved by the chains that they choose when they choose selfish living. It leads to destruction, and only Jesus can liberate that sin. So, Onesimus believes. Onesimus becomes a Christian. And as Onesimus gets involved in this new community and this new Christian life, he gets to meet the Apostle Paul the great revered apostle. Only he can only meet the apostle between bars because he is imprisoned in Rome. And one of the days, in one of those meetings, Paul says to Onesimus, I have a favor. And he hands him this folded up piece of parchment, a letter that he's written by his own hands. And he says, useful, useful. That's Onesimus' name. That's how it translates. Hey, useful, hey, Onesimus, I need you to do me a favor. Would you hand deliver this letter to a Christian friend of mine? And Onesimus says, well, of course, I want to be useful. I'll do whatever you need done to help the Christian cause. And Paul says, great. My friend's name is Philemon and he lives in Colossae. (laughs) Well, this isn't good news at all because the last time Onesimus was in Colossae, he had his arm full of stolen goods and he was running for his life and he was running from Philemon. But in an amazing act of courage and obedience, Onesimus agrees to walk right up to the door of his crime. It's 1,300 miles from Rome to Colossae, so he had plenty of time to back out, right? I mean, this took a while. But instead, he takes this dangerous walk right into the study with the dark paneling, right up to the guy smoking the cigar behind the big desk. And with trembling hands, he gives him this letter from Paul. Now, let me say this before I get to the letter itself. You might end up changing your mind about Paul before this story's over. I know that Paul is not always a fan favorite. He's the one who never mentions forgiveness. He's the one who tells women to keep quiet and to wear veils at the altar. The one that preachers preach from when they think the congregation might be enjoying life a little too much. Paul gets a tough rap. But then there's this. There is this side of Paul that we get to see in this letter, this warm side that we just don't get to see that often. Onesimus is trembling. Philemon opens the letter. Paul says, Philemon, I thank my God always when I pray for you. Because I keep hearing about your love of all the saints, your faith in Jesus. And look, I know you owe me, and and I could just demand this of you, but I'd I'd rather appeal to you on the basis of love. Here's, Here's my favor I'm appealing to you on behalf of my child, Onesimus. And then there's this cute little turn of phrase remember the name translates useful. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed Onesimus to you and me. He is indeed useful to you and me. My friend Philemon, receive Onesimus back, but this time no longer as a slave, but as a friend. A beloved brother in Christ. Welcome him as you would welcome me. And if he has wronged you in any way, if he owes you anything, put that on my account. Well, let's be clear about both the law and the expectations here. Onesimus is a slave, property. And the clear expectation in this culture. Is that he would be punished and made an example so that none of the other field workers would have the wild haired idea of stealing stuff from the owner and running away. What is expected, what is lawful is severe, prompt, and public punishment. (laughs) And instead Paul said, receive him as if he were me. Make up the spare room for this guy and pull out those fluffy towels that you only pull out when guests are there. That's what I'm expecting. And legend has it that Philemon did just as Paul asked. Legend has it that Philemon's heart changed and that Philemon welcomed a fellow Christ follower that was standing in front of him and that he went around the big desk and welcomed him in brotherhood. It's amazing. In my office, I have just above my keyboard for my computer, I have this typed out above the keyboard so I can see it every day. It's a quote from Walter Brueggemann. This is what it says. The central task of ministry is the formation of a community with an alternative, liberated imagination. that has the courage and the freedom to act in a different vision and a different perception of reality. That's how I see my work here, by the way, as an agent of love and persuasion and disruption. How do we get past the separation and the news outlets and the Facebook screaming and the national discord and the group dismissal and allow ourselves the liberated imagination that has the courage and the freedom to operate only out of the values of Christ. I might should have underscored this from the outset, but this letter from Paul is written to a leader. You remember in the beginning, Paul mentions others in the introduction because Paul knows the implications of this response Either way it goes, however Philemon responds, it's going to reverberate across the congregation. This response is going to change things one way or the other and chances are Philemon's going to do the expected thing, probably will. He's probably going to do what his friend group expects him to do, or what his political party expects him to do, or what the other parents at the soccer game expect him to do. The likely thing is that Philemon is going to act within his rights and exact retribution from a runaway slave. That's what anybody would do. But Paul has asked this most audacious favor to see the world through Christian lenses, live with an an, an alternative liberated imagination, to have the courage and the freedom to act in a different vision. And in my experience, only the most mature Christians are able to pull this off. I mean, how often do you really get surprised by somebody showing a larger size of love than you were expecting? How often do you see people operate in a way that really confuses their friends, but they've done it because of their understanding The gospel of Christ. How often have you seen somebody lose their own property or their own status for the liberation of somebody else? That's what I'm saying. What Paul's asking here is, it's rare. And it is the rare leader who can step up to it. Do you remember that great scene uh, in the movie Schindler's List toward the end? The Nazis are advancing, the allied forces are on the way. Schindler's just released into freedom about 1,100 Jewish captives. He's preparing to flee himself. And those Jewish people gathered around Schindler and gave him a gift. It was a ring. And inside the ring there was an inscription. The inscription was from the Jewish Talmud and it said, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. That's what happens. One liberated person, one slave now counted as a brother, one thief who's in the guest room, One outsider who's now an insider, one person liberated changes the entire community. But imagine the risk. Imagine what it was like and the impact it had when Philemon at the end of church one day presented a former slave for membership. I know. I know that most people will continue with us them relationships. I know that most people will continue to stand up for their rights. And most people will put those people in their place. But once in a blue moon, a liberated Christian leader will make up the guest room for the most unlikely person, and it begins to save the world entire. Now, I know this is an audacious ask of me, but would you pray about becoming one of those liberated leaders who wants more than anything in the world to see somebody else liberated? And would you pray about having the courage to act on it no matter how unpopular it is? Because the moment we transform our lenses into seeing the world the way Christ sees the world, the world will get changed. I told you what I'm up to. I read it. This is a peek behind the curtain. I'm trying to help form a community with an alternative, liberated imagination. That has the current courage and freedom to act in a different vision. And if you want to be a part of a place that's trying to change that kind of vision of the world, to try to see the world differently to try to treat people with the courage of Christ's liberation. And we invite you to join and be a part of it with us. Because this place is trying to liberate one at a time through the love of God in Christ. Let's stand and sing together. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Pontstallia Baptist Church.